0: Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am super pumped that you are listening. This is a podcast by a 20 something or 20 somethings or 20 somethings at heart the desire to dive into the real and the raw, the uncomfortable and the messy. My desire is that you would encounter the Lord and feel encouraged, inspired, and challenged to chase after Jesus in this crazy time of life. I'm so glad you're here. So grab something refreshing and let's get on with it. Ladies, I am so pumped about this episode. This week on the podcast, I have Holly Christine Hanks. Holly is an award winning author and the founder and CEO of Sanctuary Project, which is a nonprofit social impact business that employs survivors of trafficking, violence, and eviction. Holly goes around and speaks in jails, safe houses, churches, and conferences all over the world, and was recently chosen as a new voice for women of faith. Like, what? She's traveled the globe sharing her crazy story of salvation and coming to faith in Christ from one simple desperate prayer and is passionate about teaching others to pray that prayer too, which is God help me. Holly shares her story with us today on the podcast, and I cannot wait for you to hear it, so fasten your seatbelts, ladies, because there's lots of talk of chickens and you just don't even know where this story is going to go, so get ready. Here is my episode with Holly Christine Hayes. Hey, Holly! Welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I've been super pumped, and um, so why don't you just start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like these days?
1: Sure. So, um, so I am founder and CEO of an organization called Sanctuary Project. So I work with women who have come out of trafficking, violence, and addiction. We employ the the girls to make uh, jewelry and uh, candles and home decor and uh, absolutely love the work I get to do. Um, the Lord brought me out of that life about 18 years ago. And so getting to pour into other women who are coming out of, of that life has just been the greatest gift I could imagine. I'm also a newlywed. My husband and I have been married Aww. just about two years and... Um, and we just became parents to four chickens and two goats. Oh, so we're <laughs> we're growing our family <laughs> slowly <laughs> but surely. <That's laughs> and awesome.
0: uh, just
1: moved to Austin, Texas uh, about a year and a half ago um, and absolutely loving being in Austin and um, loving the community we're we're building here in Texas.
0: That's awesome. Did you think like moving to Texas that you were gonna have to have like farm animals or was that just like an ad I thought thing? it was
1: required. <laughs> Isn't that required? I mean you moved to you know, you moved to Texas, you gotta get a ranch, you gotta get some animals. I it's so funny, it's really stereotypical i it i we moved from Paris, France, and I grew up in california uh in san francisco and so I've really been a city girl my whole life. I've only <laughs> ever lived in big cities and my friends who know me, and my, my husband's a country boy, he grew up in Colorado, and um, and he loves the outdoors, and he loves the ranch life, and his, his grandparents on both sides were farmers from Kansas, and so he's really a country boy, and it's so funny, we're just the, the silliest little match, and, and friends who've known me forever are looking at my life now and just thinking what happened how did <laughs> how did you end up here holly how do you have like land and goats and chickens and
0: What is <laughs> it's this hilarious life? to
1: them <laughs> yeah
0: what is this life you're living <laughs> <laughs> it's just a new chapter for you chickens it, and goats it is do you name them i you
1: Oh, yeah. So the the goats are um, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis and Theodore Roosevelt, (laughs) but we call them Teddy and Jackie. And then the chickens are Margaret, Millie, Mabel, and Madeline. Oh,
0: my Uh, gosh. So,
1: yeah, we we name everyone. We were advised not to name our chickens because Hmm. there's a lot of predators about But uh, but we decided, no, we're going to we're going to name them and and pray for them and pray protection over them and (laughs) believe that the Lord can keep them safe from predators because they are little family members for us. (laughs) That's
0: amazing. That's goals because I like that's like my dream to be able to like go and do you like actually use their eggs like and eat their eggs?
1: Oh yeah. So, so we have silky chickens, which are like these, these little fuzzy, fancy chickens. Um, and, uh, and they lay these tiny pink eggs, like little blush colored eggs. And they're so cute, but it takes, like, so many eggs to make anything. So we save up the eggs all week. And then on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, we make scrambles. And so we literally, like, save the chicken eggs all week and then – and then it'll take, like, five to seven eggs to make a scramble. So oh between the two gosh. of us, we eat, like, a dozen <laughs> eggs of our tiny chicken eggs <laughs> on the weekend. So it's a big thing. And the eggs are delicious. And I'm always so proud of them. I feel like such a proud mom when I eat their <laughs> eggs because I'm, like, "Great job, these are just extraordinary. Yes, like, great job, Millie. Like, she's she's our newest little layer, and she's laying a whole bunch. And, and the, the eggs taste so delicious, and I'm just so proud of them. I'm sure I'm going to feel the same way when we start getting milk from the goats, too. I'll just be so proud.
0: That's crazy. Well, this is a really good start to our conversation, you know, chickens. (laughs) I love that, though. Anyone who asks about what's going
1: on in my life right now is going to hear a lot about trafficked women and chickens. Yeah,
0: two very similar topics, you know. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And so you... You, is sanctuary project then just 2 years old since you've been since you've moved to Austin or how long has it existed
1: Actually just under a year so we started in February of um of 2018 so um so we're coming up on our our 1 year anniversary oh, here wow. and um yeah in less than a year um the Lord has just blessed it and we've grown tremendously and um we had a huge Christmas season which was wonderful and we've just got so much support from uh, not only our community here in Austin but um, but an online community and a, and a community all over the United States who's seen what we're doing and is supporting it and that it just means so much to us um, that people are are supporting the girls that are they're buying the product they're loving the jewelry mm. um, and uh, and yeah it's been it's actually grown much quicker than I ever would have imagined which is a blessing but also a curse there's been so much learning to do on the fly mm. um, I really didn't expect it to grow so quickly and so we've had just a lot of growing pains and things I've had to learn very quickly. I've had to learn how to be a, become a leader really quickly and mm. Um, and how to hire staff and, and how to manage um manage that growth and and uh and and keep you know quality up um while also managing the uh just just the everyday operations of something um larger than I anticipated. So mm. it's been a really exciting season. But yeah, with with success just comes more work
0: most of the time. <laughs> right. But that's really incredible that it's taken off like yeah. that. And I'm excited for you yeah. guys for sure. Thank you. So Thank you guys you. have a website I, that my listeners can check out and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we actually just got the domain sanctuaryproject.com.
0: We've been sanctuary-project.com,
1: but um, but we're transitioning over to sanctuaryproject.com. Cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so you can you can find us there.
0: That's awesome. I will for sure check it out. I want to see your jewelry and stuff for sure
1: absolutely maybe we could do a giveaway for your listeners
0: as well hey yeah y'all stay tuned maybe that's possible for you guys so yeah
1: that'd be
0: great okay um well holly i'd love for you to just jump in um and share your story um because i know that you have a pretty heavy story but um i would love for my listeners to just know about you and how you came to know the lord um and just like your process of before you knew him to, um, to after you came to know him?
1: Yeah. So, um, so I didn't grow up with a faith at all. Um, I didn't even really know any Christians growing up. I, um, I grew up in, in San Francisco area and, uh, really in a very secular home that, um, there was a lot of focus on intellect and achievement and, and I had kind of made those things my God growing up. And, um, and I, uh, And I, my, there was some trauma in my childhood. So I was sexually abused in my, in my very early childhood. And then there was some abuse in my family as well. And I, um, and so I grew up with both this idea that I had to make my own way in the world and I had to perform and I had to, um, I had to, to succeed and achieve. And then that, that mixed with some really severe trauma. And, um, and so from a very young age, I just wanted to escape. I just wanted to run away. And, um, and I started running away at the age of 14 with drugs and alcohol. So I started using uh, alcohol and, um, and marijuana daily um, from ages 14 to 15. And then that progressed to even harder drugs at, at the age of 15. And um, by 16, I ended up dropping out of high school. And um, really, the the drug use and the alcohol use had gotten in the way of me even being able to perform in school. And I had gone from really a straight-A student and uh, an achiever to very quickly falling Mm. off of the the radar completely and uh and just um just completely running away from all of that and into this life of drugs and alcohol um and along with that there was uh there were men there were relationships as well and Mm. i had my first abortion when i was 16 and i remember that that first abortion um Mm. i uh it was at a very uh very well-known clinic and um And I, uh, after, after the abortion, right after the abortion, I threw up Mm. and I remember the the clinic telling me, oh, that, that always happens the first time. Don't worry. It won't happen with your other ones. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. And so I, like, I just had entered this realm where it was normal to have abortions and it was normal to drop out of high school and it was normal to be addicted to different drugs and and it was normal to be in abusive relationships and it was normal to get arrested every once in a while. And, um, and they were right. That was not my only abortion. Uh, there were, uh, there were four more that followed that in, in the following five years. And, Mm. um, and there were, uh, arrests and car accidents and abuse and rapes and, um, basically every trauma you could imagine in those years. And yet at the same time, alcohol and drugs were my escape from it all. So mm-hmm. I would have a, a trauma like a rape or something happen, and then I would escape into the drugs and alcohol. And mm-hmm. so for a long time, they were my solution for a living. It was like, if I could, as long as I could get out of my head and run to the drugs, mm-hmm. then I was going to be okay. Um, but then slowly over time, what ended up happening was the drugs stopped working And so I would be drunk and high and, um, and yet still couldn't escape the darkness in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. And, and I would, I couldn't escape the depression. I couldn't outrun the shame and, um, and so uh, I ended up in a, a very abusive relationship um, at the end of that, that time period. Uh, it started at the age of 19 and ended at the age of 21. And, um, and that man actually uh, offered to help me out by selling me to mm. men he would find for me. And, wow. um And I really, at that time, thought two things. I thought, one, how kind of him to want to help me. Oh
0: my goodness! (laughs) Which, in
1: in retrospect, obviously that sounds crazy, but at the time, it felt like this this man was coming in as a savior and was really going to, you know, Mm. make it okay. And he was going to protect me, and he was going to make sure that he collected the money, so I didn't have to worry about being unsafe. And um, and then the other thing, uh, the other thing I remember thinking was was that my sexuality actually has value. Mm. Um, no one had ever told me I had value before, because my my that that sense of value for my sexuality had been stripped from me at that very young age when I was sexually abused. Mm. I had just given it away all those years, um, really, to anyone who bought me drinks or, or was nice to me. And so when this man came along and said, "Your sexuality has value." And um and it's this much money. <laughs> I for the first time actually thought, wow, I never, I never knew I had value, and um and it it was a truth obviously that was completely distorted by the um, right by, by the enemy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there was an intrinsic truth in it that my sexuality had value that I think really resonated with my soul. Um, and at that point I certainly was looking for a savior. And so this, this, uh, this man coming in and saying he was going to save me and that I had value, um, really resonated with me. Mm. Um, and unfortunately that got used in all the wrong ways. And, Mm. um, and he started selling me to, uh, to men that he lined up and, um, I ended up not, um, I ended up, uh, actually just getting high and drunk and not showing up for the jobs he would line up for me. Mm. So, um, So he kicked me out and, um, and I ended up homeless. Mm -hmm. And so at the age of 21, I found myself, um, having failed as a prostitute and, um, and having failed at, at, at that point, really anything I tried to do and, Mm -hmm. um, and just completely lost in my addiction, knowing I couldn't, I couldn't continue living the way I was living, but I couldn't stop either. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was on the floor of a public bathroom on February, uh, February 10th of 2001, and three words fell out of my mouth. I said, God, help me. Mm. And uh, and I had never believed in God. I'd never had any experience with God. I had written off God you know, in my very young childhood. But in that mm. moment, it was the only thing I could think to say or to pray. And um, that very night, a few hours later, I ended up meeting someone who got me into a recovery program and got me away from that. Uh, from that wow. abusive situation. And, uh, and I have been uh, sober and, um, and out of that life since that day, which, uh, which was February 11th of 2001. So it'll be 18 mm. years next month. Um, and, and so immediately I knew there was a God because I had cried out to this God in the mm. depths of my sin and despair and brokenness and had been rescued. Um, and so it, there was a little journey that happened after that of trying to figure out who this God was right. that I called out to, because I, you know, I knew like whoever this God was, he cared about a drunk, failed prostitute on the floor of a mm-hmm. bathroom, uh, but I couldn't imagine what kind of God would would love someone like that. What mm-hmm. kind of God would actually care about a girl like me? Um, and so, uh, a few years later i uh, I met someone who said that God spoke to them through the bible and uh, <laughs> and I had this this Bible that i 'd stolen from a library um, years prior, and I <laughs> went and grabbed that stolen Bible. And um and I I said okay God if you're real and if you're in here speak to me Mm. and so I I tipped that Bible open and um and I put my finger down and it was the story in John chapter eight where Jesus forgives the adulterous woman
0: oh
1: my gosh and yeah so that was um the first time that I met Jesus and I saw this God face to face that um, it was so clear in that moment that this mm. was the God that had saved me. It was so clear that this was a God that would meet someone like me on the floor of a bathroom and, and give them a whole new life. Mm. And, um, and from that moment, I wanted to know this Jesus and fell head over heels in love with him and realized he'd been head over heels in love with me mm. that whole time that he'd never, that he'd never left my side, that he'd had that moment planned for me from before before eternity, um, mm. and so, uh, so it's just been this great love story uh, that I've gotten to walk out with him of um, just so many years of redemption and yeah. and him going back and and repairing every area um, that the enemy tried to steal. He's mm. gone back and redeemed in such beautiful, powerful ways. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been that's been my story uh, over the last eighteen years.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing and. You yeah, know, I'm guessing that it wasn't, like, a quick, okay, now that I've met Jesus, like, everything is all I'm better. I'm all better, yeah. <laughs> and, which it, like, does in a sense, like, you, you think about the moment of, like, your salvation, like, that is when you are, like, washed clean, and, like, all of that is true, mm-hmm. but in, like, our flesh, it is not easy to just, yeah. okay, I'm totally okay, so... You know, after you came to know him, like, what did that look like afterwards and how did, like, the gospel, like, what did you hold on to about the gospel that, like, helped you through the times when it wasn't so easy to recover? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, so you're so right. I mean, there are things that were healed immediately. Um, I was delivered from the addiction immediately. I was delivered from shame immediately. I mm-hmm. have not experienced any shame, wow. um, and that's and that's an incredible grace and gift and something that only Jesus can do. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were things that just were removed from me in the moment that were supernatural and and were um, and were completely radically mm-hmm. uh, transformed. Um, I was, I was never the same from that moment on that bathroom floor uh, in February of 2001. And yet there are many things (laughs) and many areas Mm -hmm. that I'm still walking that out, that I'm still working out that salvation with fear and trembling. Um, Relationships did not heal immediately. That Mm -hmm. has been like, that was the longest journey. Um, You know, I was 21 at that point and, um, and, uh, and had, uh, you know, and had more sexual Relation, relations than um, I could ever count mm. or number, um, and 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 uh, and not just. you know, tremendous sexual past, but also tremendous abuse and, Mm. um, manipulation and just brokenness in relationships. And so, um, so that was one that just took years to walk out of like failing and falling in relationships and, um, and, you know, and thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be the one it's going to work this time. And Mm. then, and then having it, it all break again. And, um, and even, you know, sexual sin, um, is something that I struggled with for so many years because my body had gotten so, used to being in mm. sexual relationships from the time well even from the molestation when i was a child um and then and then from really being in you know sexual relationships from the time i was 14 on
0: yeah. when i came to
1: christ i was i i became radically committed to pursuing purity until my wedding night
0: mm. um
1: but that didn't stop my body from craving mm-hmm. sexual activity and so that has just been i mean that like even in marriage, sometimes it's a struggle. Cause like, you know, not everyone has matching sex drives. And so, mm-hmm. um, but that's something that that took years and years of just working through and, um, you know, struggling with masturbation and then, fa- you know, falling in that area and then getting back on it again and mm-hmm. saying, okay, Lord, like I'm going to believe you can redeem this and that you can restore me completely. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and in some ways I, um, you know, I, I'm, I I don't want to say proud, but in some ways I'm amazed that I was able to make it to my wedding night with my husband without having a sexual, you know, like without, and and that that our wedding night was, um, Mm -hmm. um, was our first time together and everything. um, And, you know, and I, I did maintain sexual purity until our wedding night, but that didn't mean that my thought life was pure and that didn't Mm -hmm. mean that like. And I did fall in masturbation. And so those were all things that I really had to um, take to God and trust mm-hmm. that He could restore and redeem over the years. And so it's been a long road of, um, you know, seeking, seeking healing, uh, inner healing where I've needed to and counseling where I've needed to and good counsel from mentors where I've needed to. And then just really like you asked leaning on the gospel mm-hmm. that says, um, that says I am covered in the blood of Jesus and I am secure mm-hmm. in my salvation. Even if I fall and fail, even if I mess up, mm-hmm. um, even if I sin again, um, cause I would beat myself up. That, like, at the end of John 8, it says, go and sin no more. But I've sinned. And, like, mm, uh. right. <laughs>
0: um Right.
1: And, you know, because it's one thing, like, yeah, like, I was a big old sinner before Christ. But I, I put so much pressure on myself mm. now today to be perfect because it's, like, I, you know, there was this salvation story, so I have to be perfect now, and, mm-hmm. like, there's BC Holly and AD Holly, and yeah. I am not allowed to, to sin anymore, you know? Right. <laughs> um which And that was, like, in you not. from a young age,
0: too, right? <laughs> to, like, you, right. you said like in school, like you wanted to always like achieve. So I can see that now, like absolutely even being a, a Christian, like being like, well, if like I'm gonna do this Christian thing, like I need to achieve at it, and
1: I've got to do it perfectly. Yes, <laughs> and I'm an Enneagram three, so I was I'm about like, I have to, have to say in Christianing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. and yeah, it's funny. I mean, and even even if you look at like my life and like drugs and everything, it's like I had to do that all into. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like if I'm gonna be a drug addict, I'm gonna be the most <laughs> the drug, perfect- addict-y drug addict. drug addict. (laughs) I will win at raving.
0: (laughs) I'm guessing also that your friends had to, like, completely change. Like, anybody that you knew at all, like, was, like, like, anybody that you knew, it was like, okay, bye. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. so I love Jesus
0: now. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, through your story, like, I wonder... I was wondering, like, have you had conversations, like, with people that you used to party with or that you used to have, um, be in relationship with and been able to, like, share your story?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So, yes, um, when I came to Christ, I really did feel like I had to count the cost because um, I knew it meant I was going to lose everyone I'd ever known. Mm. Um, I even feared that meant my family as well, Um, though my younger sister came to Christ at the same time Mm. I did um, through her now husband. uh, Totally different situation, but um, that was a great, great gift. But I was afraid I was going to lose my family and Mm. every friend I'd ever had um, and become that weird born again Christian girl. And so, um, and I worked in musical theater that was, that had been my career always. And so, um, I was, uh, fearful that I would lose all my friends there cause it was all gay men. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, uh, there was so much, uh, there was so much counting of the costs that, uh, that went into that season of, of really giving myself fully to Christ. Um, So, yes, what's interesting is as I now that I live my life very publicly out loud, proclaiming, um, well, sharing my story and proclaiming uh, the good news that is Jesus. I've had so many people from my past reach Mm. out and um, and want to talk about it. And uh, the most interesting of which was actually my trafficker. Um, Shortly after I came to Christ, um, he found me on Facebook and. And reached out and uh, basically said, I see that you've found a faith and I feel like I need to confess to someone because I feel like I'm the devil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, and I've been and I've been like basically on the front lines for Satan for years now. Uh, He went on to to have very large trafficking rings in uh, New York and Rome and um, and uh, as a promoter, um, bringing girls into uh, high end clubs and things Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, and so he he confessed all of that to me and um, in a way asked me to sit on the mercy seat, which was one of the weirdest um, Mm. kind of moments of my life because I'd already forgiven him. um, But 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 there was still this wrestling in my heart of like, but could God really forgive him, too? Mm. And the reality is like, yeah, if he's truly repentant and it's still I don't know if he was truly repentant. Um, only God knows that. But, Mm. but, but I did, I did share with him, like, if you're truly repentant, there's nothing God can't forgive. Mm. And, um, and just to be able to say that and know that and actually believe that, that, like, if God can forgive me for the five murders um, of unborn children, and for the countless um, people I stole from, and, um, or, uh, you know, men, I, I, manipulated sexually or anything you know all of those things like if he can forgive me there's nothing he can't forgive mm-hmm. and so to share that with my um with my trafficker was a was a really interesting um conversation and and was really uh, healing just for my mm-hmm. own heart to say like yeah if i if i get this grace and i get this redemption and i get this forgiveness he does too mm-hmm. um and, uh, you know, and, and the people who sexually abuse me as a child, they do too. Um, and it's, those are uncomfortable things to sit with sometimes because mm-hmm. we want justice. Um, but, but the, but the heart of the gospel is that if someone truly repents, they get to have the forgiveness too. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how unjust that feels sometimes.
0: Mm. Cause I feel like to us we totally put, like, weight on certain sins, like, that this sin is, like, way too big. I mean, that's just, like, crazy. You know, there's more, like, common things or things that we talk about more, but in God's eyes, like, He just doesn't see that, you know? And so, that is just a crazy picture to me that you're able to see. Well, like, He's sin, his sin is no different than mine or his sin, you know, like God sees it all the same and he forgives it all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it crazy to think about that? Like our gossip Mm. is as heartbreaking to God as a man selling hundreds of women, Mm. trafficking hundreds of women, you know, like we really, you're right. We really do want to put weight on things. And obviously like on the earth, certain things have more consequence than others. Right. But if, if all sin is equal in the eyes of God, it's just all detestable and deplorable, mm-hmm. and it all is leading to death mm-hmm. without Jesus and without the redemption of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy to think about. It's like those little things that we have in our heart, that like slander or gossip or mm-hmm. um, or that little white lie, um, those are just as heartbreaking to God mm-hmm. as these giant, massive sins like abortion or Homosexuality or the trafficking of women, mm-hmm. um, the the abuse of children. You know, I mean, it just it's it's mind blowing, really, to mm-hmm. think about that 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 could be um, both that that could be equal in the eyes of God, and and even that it could be forgiven mm-hmm. and and redeemed. Mm.
0: And the the weight that we put on those people, we also associate like they can't be loved too, right? And, yeah, and God has an extreme amount of love even for those people which is just like mind-blowing I'm like it really is couldn't wrap my brain around that and the fact that you're able to like extend grace as just a human is just totally the Lord in you and is so cool uh, to hear that you're able to do that
1: yeah only he can do it (laughs) because you know when I think about it it's like yeah I would want justice to be done and you know, I would want him to suffer or be in pain, but in the moment it's funny what what happens is the Holy Spirit has his way and mm-hmm. and um and will remind us sometimes of, of um his mercy in those moments that uh, that we would forget about
0: so you know I wanna ask you because I'm guessing that there are ladies who are listening to this and have struggled with something like abortion, um, or addiction, um, or masturbation, things like that. So I don't know if you want to speak to all of them specifically or, um, just whatever you feel like, but I'm sure there are ladies who, um, really struggle with those and would love to hear from somebody who has been through that, um, and, and sees the Lord's truth now in it. So Yeah.
1: So I I think the biggest thing I would say to encourage someone who's in that is um, God can't heal what we don't reveal. Mm. So tell someone, tell someone, share it with anyone. Um, Find a trustworthy, understanding friend or a Mm. pastor or someone that you can start opening up to about it. Because what what happens when we keep things in the dark is that shame grows around it Mm. and the enemy can start telling you, um, you know, no one will understand. No one will love you if they knew. Um, this, is un- this is one of those unforgivable sins. Um, you know, if your church family knew, they would all reject you and no one would ever love you. And those are the things the enemy will start whispering to you. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when we get things into the light is we find out that's a lie. That there are people who will love you through anything that you would struggle with. There are people who can speak truth into your life, and there are people who can keep you accountable. And that as soon as we start to to confess and bring things into the light, we start to experience healing. And it's one thing to just confess it to God. Like, you know, scripture tells us confess your sins to God, and He is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's first mm-hmm. John 1 9, and that's really good news. But it also says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other that you might be healed. Mm. So if we want forgiveness, we confess our sins to God and we're forgiven. So you could be an addict and you can get drunk every weekend and then go confess your sin to God and he forgives you. And that's great. You're forgiven, but mm. you're still suffering <laughs> because mm. you're still getting drunk every weekend and making bad choices. But you then have to go to God and ask for forgiveness for, right? Mm-hmm. but what we really want and what we forget sometimes we really want is not just the forgiveness but the healing and so that's where we need to take that scripture seriously that says confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. pray for each other that you might be healed um, and so if we want healing we actually need to start confessing to other people mm-hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of, of recovery groups 12 um, step recovery groups yeah. I they, they've been so life giving for me um, I still go to 12 step recovery groups and share my story. I mentor other young women in those groups. Mm. Um, there's nothing like being in a room full of people who all struggle with the same thing yeah. and have overcome it. It's so encouraging. It's like, mm. you know, you'll have someone in the room who maybe has just had a relapse and they have three days clean from their addiction and then you have another person in the room like me who has 18 years and another person who has 30 years and then one person who has 30 days or three months and Mm -hmm. everyone's all in the room together sharing experience and strength and hope with each other Mm -hmm. and it's just a place of healing that um, I've seen for so many friends no matter what the issue is whether it's Mm Uh, food issues or, um, sexual addiction or, um, or, uh, alcohol and drug addiction, whatever, whatever, or, you know, and maybe, maybe it's people pleasing. There's groups for that. Um, codependence, things like that there, Mm -hmm. whatever your sin is, there is a group that can help you work through that, um, and celebrate recovery is another wonderful resource for that, where Mm -hmm. you can get in community with people and start getting honest about, about that brokenness and, and walk through it.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I like that you pointed us to that. We actually did an episode, um, about that recently talking about just like how to recover and, um, from things in your past in about 12 steps. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, again, just to, to focus on like, like you said, like you can't heal what you don't God can't heal what we don't reveal. Yeah. So God can't heal what you don't reveal. So confess that to somebody because the enemy works in isolation completely. Absolutely. wants you to feel like you're alone in your sin um, and just continue to feed you lies. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: So thinking back to, I know, like, a bulk of your testimony was like your teens and 20s. And so what would be i know this is going to be really hard but like what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something
1: yeah i would say i wish i knew um my my true identity in christ um and and that that can be sort of a buzzword that christians throw around of like know your identity in christ and but what does that mean like mm. if i really knew that I that I was in perfect standing with God, no matter what I did mm. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have lived so fearful. Mm. if I really knew that there was nothing I could do to fall out of his grace, I wouldn't have lived um, just uh, so. Uh, And so I'm talking now about, like, you know, being sober and being in Christ and Mm -hmm. and those years, not necessarily, you know, the the broken years, but more um, the the early years of my relationship with God, Mm -hmm. um, where where I I knew I knew God was good. I knew he loved me, but I didn't really understand that, like he cared so intimately for every day and every moment of my life that he wasn't going to forget to bring me a husband Mm -hmm. or, you know, or like forget that I have all these dreams of building a ministry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like we, um, we forget that he cares so much more about our dreams and our hopes than we do. Even, Mm -hmm. um, he cares so intimately about, us actually being the the most beautiful, refined, perfect versions of ourselves in the world. He cares more about that than we do. Mm-hmm. And we can't possibly miss out on God's plan for our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like I, in my, in my twenties, I lived in fear a lot that other people might pass me by or that um, I wasn't going to get everything I dreamed of um, very much like, uh, you know, cause I was uh, you know bro- relationships were broken and I didn't get married until 36 so you mm-hmm. know I just we just got married two years ago and so had a lot of broken relationships and just like dating the wrong guys and mm-hmm. you know not like the wrong guys like they were not like jerks or anything you know but the wrong person for right, me and right. like you know and trying to make it work and trying to like be this different person and like almost like hide my true self to try Mm -hmm. to get someone to love me when like really what God's desire was for me was that I would so know who he created me to be that I could just live confidently in that Mm -hmm. and not be trying to fit into a box of what I thought I should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that would be my encouragement is find out who you are and then just be that person for God's glory. Mm-hmm. Those gifts He's put in in you, and those desires He's put in your heart—they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, He doesn't He doesn't put a desire in our heart and then and then dangle it like a carrot. Like, oh no, you can't have that. You know, <laughs> um, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and or he'll change the desires of our heart to something that we will then like they they will become the desires of our heart mm-hmm. um, as we delight ourselves in him, and I've watched that over the years. I've watched him shape my desires by just delighting myself in him. He shaped my desires for a husband into the type of husband that I have today, which wouldn't have been the husband I would have wanted in my 20s. Mm. In my 20s, I yeah. would have wanted the the hottest, most successful, coolest guy. And <laughs> and And what happened was as I delighted myself in the Lord, more and more, he shaped the desires of my heart to want a man of excellent character and kindness mm-hmm. and a man who was impressively soft and kind mm-hmm. and loving. And um, and then he brought me the desires of my heart. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think I think when we really dive into um, to really spending time with God, that that he'll shape us into the best versions of ourselves and and shape those desires into his highest desire mm. for our life as well.
0: Oh, that's so good. I love that advice a lot. I'm gonna soak it up. <laughs> I'm gonna write it all down. <laughs> okay. Oh, <it's so> <laughs> Um, are there any like resources you could recommend, um, you know, for some of the topics that you've mentioned, anything come to mind, like could be books (laughs) or, you know, different studies or whatever? Yeah. So,
1: you know, the biggest thing I would say is learn to love God's word. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, um, so a part of my story and uh, and and the way I actually found that identity was um, reading the Bible like a story. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize, so it took a year and a half before I ended up in the church, and I didn't realize that you weren't just supposed to sit down and read the whole Bible like a story. Like, I didn't realize there were devotionals or, like, apps where you would just get a verse a day. I thought, if I'm going to decide whether I want to be a Christian or not, I should read this text and yeah. decide if I believe it and want to follow and want to follow this way. Um, and so I, um, so after I, so I, I picked up that stolen Bible and I, and I opened it to John eight and I experienced Jesus there. But then I, I went back to, um, I started in Matthew. I started in the new Testament and I, I went back to Matthew and I read the whole new Testament. And then I went back and read the whole old Testament. Um, and, and every year now I, I, I start, well, I didn't make it through the whole year the last couple of years. I've like, But I read chronologically, just continually. Mm -hmm. Um, And what what that does, reading the Bible like a story, for me, it gives the whole picture of of, um, our identity, like I was saying, in Christ. Mm -hmm. When we sit down and take it piecemeal, it's great, and it's encouraging, and it's wonderful, and Mm -hmm. it can be really life-giving. It can really breathe life into us. But what I've found is that when I read it as a whole, it really shapes me Mm -hmm. as a human. Um, It starts to shape the way I see the world Mm. and it starts to shape the way I interact with humans because you actually see God's story with humanity from start to finish Mm. rather than just little bits of encouragement um, between you and God. You can actually sit down and enter into the story of God, which is the greatest love story ever Mm -hmm. written. So I would say my biggest advice and resource is um, read the Bible like a story. Sit mm-hmm. down and read whole books of it. Read whole sections of it. Um, sit down and read the prophetic books from start to finish. Sit down and mm-hmm. read the the books of the law from start to finish. Sit down and read the Gospels one after the other, like
0: mm-hmm. all four. Sit
1: down and read the epistles from beginning to end. Um, because when we when we digest it that way, it really really has a, a shaping effect. Mm-hmm. That's so That's true. kind of my favorite resource.
0: It's not meant to just be like picked apart in verse here because you googled verses about blah 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 or whatever this day right. and we've talked a lot about that because you know, my age group were the millennials, right? So yeah. we have this like yep. stigma of just wanting like instant gratification and so things that are like read a verse, here's your devotion, ready go. Um, can be a little bit dangerous for us. I'm not saying that they're necessarily wrong, but, like, is it the most life-giving thing for us? Is it going to give us a good picture of the Bible in general, like, the whole right. picture of his story and his word? Probably not, you know, things that are just, like, topical and are not diving deep into the Word um, right. Yeah. It's fast food, right? It's like, it'll nourish you. You'll be, you know, it'll fill you. You're not going to be hungry
1: anymore, which is good. Um, mm. But do we want to eat fast food or do we want to sit down and cook a five course meal? That's the best thing you've ever eaten in your life. And mm-hmm. you learn how to cook it for yourself so you can cook it again and again, and then you can make it for your family one day. And then you have a recipe that you can pass down from generation to generation to generation. Mm. So like, do I want a taco or do I want, or do I want the ability to or do I want to be a chef? You know, Mm -hmm. do I want to actually like cook a meal and, and know how to cook this meal for someone else and, um, and, and yeah, and digest something that's just going to completely transform my body and, uh, and give me the energy and sustain me through whatever life, whatever life throws at me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. And it's like, you know books and studies and things like that they are often human words, and yeah, and they're great, and they can be like supplemental, but like knowing who God is, like we need to read his words, his message to us, so yeah, thank you for it's that. true
1: sometimes I'll read like something about the Bible, like I'll read like you know, and I love, I love Christian authors. Many of my friends are Christian authors. I love their books. I love what they do. I'm a Christian author. I um, I want people to read my book. Um, <laughs> but the what I find is that sometimes when I read about scripture, it's weird. Like I'll doubt it. I'll like read the, about the story of Jonah and I'm like, how did he, what? A whale? <laughs> he had three days. That's ridiculous. But then something <laughs> happens when I actually read it in God's word. It's like, my faith is built and I believe it. It's weird. I mean, God's word is alive, you know? So sometimes when we read about God's word, it can almost like create questions or right. doubts. Cause it, it sounds so wild. It's like, really God did that? Like really a flood and everyone, like he drowned everyone. Like what? But then when you read it in scripture, it's like, wow, God's so faithful. He's so good. He saved this family and rebuilt his people. And yeah, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, but the word is alive. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it will bring life Mm -hmm. where just sometimes reading about the word will
0: not bring life in the same way. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, I was going to see, would you, would you mind telling us a little bit about your book?
1: Yeah. So, um, so my book is called from basement to sanctuary and, um, and I share my story in the book, but I also talk a lot about the, the, um, the 12 step recovery world and those Mm -hmm. basement meetings that I spent a lot of time in and how that the spirit of those places, the transparency, the confession, um, the the authenticity and um, and then even the testimonies that come out of that place are so life giving and um, mm. and where we're seeing in the basements of churches just so many stories of radical healing and transformation mm. and. I've often wondered, why don't we see the same thing in the sanctuary? Why are we not seeing the same kind of radical transformation and healing from sin in the sanctuary that we see in those 12-step recovery rooms? Um and so uh so I talk a lot about that in the book and and some of the um some of the tenets of those recovery meetings and ways we can actually bring those into the church. Mm-hmm. Um so it's my hope that those who are in the church can learn from what happens in the basements of their church and bring that spirit of the basement up to the sanctuary. And at the same time oftentimes in the basement people don't know it's Jesus. Um mm-hmm. just like I didn't know at first. Who the God was that saved me, um, I think it's really important that we bring what 's happening in the sanctuary down to the basement as well mm-hmm. and um, and really be reminding people Jesus is the God who meets you in your brokenness. Jesus mm-hmm. is the God who will go down into the basement to be with you there. Um,
0: mm-hmm. He doesn't
1: wait for you to come up to the sanctuary he mm-hmm. wants to He wants to meet you right there
0: mm-hmm. I love that i want a copy. 100%. Yeah, I'll get you one. <laughs> I'll have to get you one. <laughs> uh, also, I thought of the other thing I was gonna ask you. Have you do you have or have you um seen the Jesus Storybook Bible? No, what is so, that? So it has kind of like a yellowish it's a it's a kids Bible, basically. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it goes through like most of like the major Bible stories and relates them all to the gospel. So, you know, it'll be talking about, um, it'll be talking about creation and how he created the world, and it'll go through the whole story, but then it'll say, and he was planning for a perfect son to come and be there. You should check it out, because it's... Oh, I would love that, Even as somebody, like, I grew up in the church, knew all of the Bible stories, it has become so much more real to me because I feel like I just kind of like knew those and didn't really think about like how God was working in them. They're just kind of like stories to me instead of like this real, like what was God doing in that? And so I'm kind of like a kid and I just like read a story a night, but it just like oh, makes it love like, that. Come alive to me. And it's, it's such like beautifully written and like very like theologically sound, but It's totally geared towards kids, but I know so many adults that have it and read through it, so.
1: Do you think my chickens would enjoy it, too? (laughs)
0: For sure. (laughs) Millie would be... Can you imagine (laughs) Jeff and I
1: reading the the Jesus Storybook Bible to our farm animals at night? (laughs) Gather around, chickens.
0: Gather around. I think we need to make some children. (laughs) We're going to read Noah's Ark tonight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. like only two only two of us (laughs) at least there's only two goats
1: Uh, yeah exactly but the chickens would be like which two one more clock
0: that'd be so funny (laughs) you could though I mean they're your kids so I'm not gonna judge you if you do that thank you (laughs) thank you I just want like some human kids (laughs) Uh, oh man that's incredible that's awesome (laughs) so my last question i ask this to every guest is what is refreshing you these days i know probably your chickens and goats we've already talked about those but what else is refreshing you
1: you know it's um it's my husband right now. And that's Mm -hmm. been such a sweet thing for us. Um, so I, my husband is very opposite of me and, uh, and he is, uh, he's an Enneagram nine. So he's a peacemaker and he's very security focused and he is, he has become just this like peaceful, wonderful, refreshing thing. Um, at the end of every day, my days are really hard. You know, I work with, girls mm-hmm. who are um, coming out of of a lot of trauma and the, and most of them are pretty fresh out of it and um, mm-hmm. and our days are long and they're hard and the girls are um, very dramatic and I love them so much but there's mm-hmm. just so much uh, they're, they're, their needs are so high yeah, and yeah. um and so my days are are quite stressful and full and uh you know mm-hmm. and then we're running a product side of the business as well and it's a new business and there's so many moving pieces and at the end of the yeah. day to come home to just the sweetheart husband and um and just uh cuddle up and and uh have this oasis in the middle of all of it that's so peaceful and mm-hmm. so sweet and is such a refreshing. Uh, refreshing thing for uh, for me. So I'm so grateful for mm. him right now and for our marriage right now. It just feels like the sweetest gift. I didn't know. I got to a point where I didn't know if I even wanted marriage because mm. I was um, single for so long and I knew I didn't want the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I had gotten so used to being alone and, and I loved being single because you really can do so much ministry. And uh, mm. I, I really loved my, my girlfriends and my single season uh, so, but, but lately I've been just so grateful for, for the provision of this man kind of just in the nick of time before starting, <laughs> for starting right. Sanctuary Project. And, and I love how God has designed us in that way for, um, for man and woman to mm-hmm. really uh, come together and complete each other in those sweet, quiet ways that, uh, that, you know, only he would know
0: we need. Totally. It's like so clear that obviously like his plan is so perfect and
1: going through
0: like a longer season of singleness I'm sure makes marriage so much sweeter um yeah and like he knew he needed to keep preparing you for it you know. And yeah, so. and
1: he knew exactly what I needed before. You know, better mm-hmm. than I would ever have known. Mm-hmm. And that's a just an encouragement for anyone out there who's still um, single and waiting on a husband, you included, Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that God has such good plans for for a, a partner and a spouse yeah. for you, and um, He knows you better than you know yourself. He mm-hmm. knows what you need. He knows when you need it. Um, and, and he, uh, he just cares so much more about that for us than we even could care about it for ourselves. And I wish I'd just been faith, faith filled and trusting the whole time I was single and not worried about it for a moment because, right. uh, cause he's got it. He, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's got it for all of us.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. I, loved having you holly and i know that my listeners are gonna love you uh and i love that we're starting off the year um with this episode because i think it was just so sweet so thank you so much for coming on well
1: it's been so great being here thanks Thanks for having me
0: yeah thank you I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Holly today. I was so deeply impacted by her story, and I know you guys will be as well. You guys can find her on Instagram and The Sanctuary Project. You can also check out her book, From Basement to Sanctuary. Be looking on my Instagram because I'm going to be doing a giveaway with Holly and some of the beautiful pieces that... Uh, her girls from Sanctuary Project make, So make sure you stay tuned to my Instagram for a chance to get some cool giveaways from Holly and her company. I hope you guys have a great week. See you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.